there, how's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak, a podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I do sincerely appreciate each of you for coming by and giving it a listen. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please do one of the following plugs that I'm about to mention. Uh, go ahead and follow or download episodes of Screen Speak on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. You can also check out the Instagram page for the podcast, uh, simply titled at ScreenSpeak Podcast. Uh, if you want to go ahead and follow on there for some exclusive content for the podcast, you can definitely, uh, definitely go ahead and do that. I do encourage it, of course. And then lastly, you can check out the YouTube, uh, the YouTube channel for the podcast where I have some sound bites and eventual video support will get there once I have the time to be able to actually uh, get around to doing that. But for now, please do one or all of the plugs that I just mentioned, and that would be super terrific and awesome of each of you. To, of yeah, yeah, each of each of you, please, 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 I'm begging you, please, I'm begging you, please, please, please. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not gonna beg yet. Okay. So I'm here today to talk all about Napoleon Dynamite. So Napoleon Dynamite, for those of you that may or may not be aware, came out in June of 2004, and it follows awkward teen Napoleon Dynamite that's played by John Heater. Uh, It takes place in a small town called Preston, Idaho, which I believe is a real place. I mean, I know Idaho is a real place. But anyways, it follows Napoleon Dynamite, who is a troubled teen, or not, tr- sorry, trouble's not the right word. He's an awkward teen that has trouble fitting in. Uh, he's very, very awkward, very much, a, I guess I would say, an individualist. Uh, but anywho, after his grandmother is injured in an accident, his life is made even worse when his strangely nostalgic Uncle Rico, played by John Grise, shows up to keep an eye on him. But with no safe haven at home or at school, Napoleon decides to befriend the new kid, Pedro, played by Efren Ramirez, a morose Hispanic boy who speaks little English. Together, the two launch a campaign to run for class president. And that's essentially Napoleon Dynamite in a nutshell. Um, but anyways, I, I have a, actually a, a bit of personal experience to share with Napoleon Dynamite, maybe maybe more so than some of the other movies I, I've talked about on here. Uh, so for one, it came out in 2004, and I know when I was, I mean, when it was 2004, I'm trying to think, I graduated high school in 2009, uh, which I think that means I would have been in high school, good lord, my mental math is awful, so what, 2006, 7, 8, 9... Yeah, so 2006. So after Napoleon Dynamite had came, had come out, it had been out for a couple of years, and it had already grown in popularity, and, and it was a pretty popular movie at the time when I was in school. Um, and in particular, uh, freshman year of high school, I remember, because back then, this may come as a surprise to the to my listening audience here, but back then, high school Jordan, uh, he was a pretty awkward guy. And definitely didn't have a lot of confidence, um, self-confidence, <laughs> maybe not even a lot of self-respect. Uh, and just an overall, I, I had a pretty low self-esteem, admittedly, back in those days. And for whatever reason, I guess I got compared to the character of Napoleon often uh, by a few people here and there. I, I, I don't think I was ever, I can never consider myself to be popular or even really fitting in with the crowd. I think I'm more more blended in the background than anything else. But 
yeah. High school were some tough years for me, and Napoleon, I guess, I sounded like him when I would talk because I had, I, I guess I had not as much inflection in my voice back then. I, I didn't really have much, animation, uh, much animation, uh, much personality, so I kind of, like, I just kind of talked like this, I guess, in the same monotone. And <laughs> it's not like, it's not like the character Napoleon does that. I, I think his voice is more of a, you know, why don't you get out of here uh, before I call the cops? Oh, uh, hey, hey, Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. I, that is the the worst, worst impression of that possible. I, I'm sure if I watched it a couple of times in front of me, I could probably get around to getting the voice right. But I digress. Because I sounded, I guess, a lot like Napoleon Dynamite when I was that young, I would get called Napoleon, actually, occasionally uh, by, by kids here and there. I would say it was, I'd say it was probably like more light teasing. I, I couldn't really say it was like bullying, but it was, it was, it, people were teasing me because I sounded like that. And because of the old, you know, super low self-esteem, depression, whatever you want to call it, uh, I never really took it that well, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, so I, I know for a long time, I actually didn't like the movie. Um, and I think it's just because of that personal connection with it where it's like, oh my God, people keep calling me Napoleon. It's getting really old. It's getting really annoying. I don't want to be called Napoleon because I don't think it was as a compliment. It was just like, oh, you're, like, you're really dorky like Napoleon. But all that aside, the movie is good. Uh, it, it is a very good movie, actually, if I dare say so myself. Uh, I think it's a very funny movie. It's a very very sweet movie in a way and also innocent i mean because the movie is rated pg so i think it is a movie that uh it's it's open to a lot of different audiences i think it's very accessible uh and there's some universal humor in it in particular one scene that always stands out because i like i feel like i like damn near wet myself every time i see it even to this day uh it's when uncle rico is sitting on the the porch with kip uh, which is Napoleon's brother in the movie. Uh, and he, I, I, th I think they're it's his brother or his cousin. I, I don't know if they ever actually say that, but anywho, uh, Uncle Rico's sitting on the, on the front steps of uh, Napoleon's house, and he sees Napoleon uh, riding along with Pedro on a bike. I think Pedro, yeah, Pedro's in the back and Napoleon's uh, operating the bicycle. And he's like, hey, you want to see something cool? He's like, check this out. <laughs> And he takes a steak, a whole steak off the plate, and just chucks it at Napoleon's face and hits him. And I and I think what's great is that one, it obviously connects. Two, I'm sorry, three things. One, it connects clearly with Napoleon's face. Two, uh, it's it's his the noise that I, that he makes that he's just like Ugh! like when, when he gets hit by it. And then uh, I think. I think also just the fact that I'm pretty sure it was real. Like, I'm pretty sure it was a real steak. I don't think they were fake on that. <laughs> There's no effects there. Uh, it's just a man getting hit in the in the face by steak, which is just a very bizarre thing. And that's, a, that's something I could say for a lot of the movie, Napoleon Dynamite, is that it is bizarre in some of its humor. It's very, very quirky, but kind of understated too it's never very really like ha 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 in your face it's just i don't know there's a there's a certain authentic feel that i think comes from the movie and it also i think i think it also captures middle america pretty well or at least what it would be like 
living in essentially like a very small rural uh, community or, or the, you know, a very small town. Um, I've never, I don't, I don't think I've ever lived in a small, small town quite like the one that he's from. Uh, but I've certainly been in small towns before and I, I've, uh, I've spent some time in them and yeah, I can say it, it, it gets the feel of them, them very, very well. And actually another interesting, another interesting thing about the movie, um, is just the fact that if you pay close attention to it, some of the, like the attire, like the clothing that the cast wears and some of their settings, the things they use, it almost kind of seems like very 1970s-ish or or even like from the 80s. Everything seems just like a little bit out of date. And I think that's intentional because, I don't know, the, fa- the Napoleon Dynamite's family is even kind of a little bit like behind if you could if you could call it that I don't really think they're up with the times they're kind of in their own little world and it's not just Napoleon that's like that his, like everybody in his family kind of seems you know in their own unique little bubble they don't really seem a part of everything else I'm not sure if that makes sense but if you see the movie you might know what I'm talking about um but the 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 thing I am very very excited to share the details with you on uh, finally, because I had been teasing it on on Instagram this week, is talking about the experience I had uh, going to the actual uh, to an actual live screening uh, of the theater with the the main cast, John Heater, John Grise, and Efren Ramirez. Um, they came to the area that I live in. Uh, they came to one of uh, our city's oldest theaters here, the Paramount. And I was fortunate enough to be able to not only see the screening of the movie and get to hear the cast uh, come out afterwards and, and you know, do some Q&A both with the moderator and then also with the audience. Um, but then I actually got to meet them. I, I got to meet uh, the three of them backstage and get, get some pictures with them, get their autographs and, and just talk to them actually for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> It was just such a great experience. I, I've never experienced anything like it. It's definitely, I think, the first time I can say I've actually met somebody from a movie that I know uh, and, and a movie that I know very well. Um, and, and it was just, it was amazing. Like, I feel like I watch stuff like these live screening experiences on YouTube all the time. Um, bit of personal insight on, on myself here is... I, I watch a lot of YouTube and I also watch a lot of um, movie related content on YouTube. So I'm, I'm kind of a junkie when it comes to like interview panels, behind the scenes, listening to directors, actors, producers, writers, um, you know, casting directors, all, all sorts of different movie uh, people in the movie industry talking about how their thought process works and what they do. And so I, I avidly watch a lot of this stuff. So it's like I was finally getting to experience those things that I watch uh, often on YouTube just directly face to face. And it was just so, so incredible. And I also think that I want I want more. Like, I really hope this isn't the only type of event like this I get to do. I, I would love, love to be able to do more stuff like this and uh, more stuff like this uh, in the future. So I'm really, really going to try to seek out more stuff like this. Um, try to go to it and then you know if if it's worth sharing i'll definitely share it on the podcast so there there you go uh let me let me take a quick sip here before i i dive into the details so what give me one moment here so i'm not sure if it matters maybe maybe it doesn't can you can you actually hear when i'm taking a can you when i'm taking a sip on here can you actually hear this 
Let me let me see here. Let's 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 take a look or take a listen. <laughs> okay, I almost spit that out. I I was like purposely trying to make the sip noise a lot louder. Um, I don't actually drink like that. It'd be strange if I did. Anywho, I'm drinking some kefir right now. Some kefir blueberry uh, milk. I think you could call it that. It's a fermented milk, which. I don't really want to get into the nitty gritty of that, but it may gross you out if you actually take a look at what fermented milk is and how it's made. It's a little strange, but it is healthy for your, gives you good gut health, I guess. It's got some probiotics and other stuff that's good for um, your plumbing. So there you go, unofficially, but not at all sponsored by Kefir Milk. So there you go. One, one, one more sip. Hang on. <clears throat> Oh, it is good. Okay. So <clears throat> I mentioned that this screening took place at the Paramount. Um, Paramount's a really cool theater. Um, so I guess, sure, I'll, I'll admit the area where I'm at right now. I, I live in Cedar Rapids, uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, and the Paramount Theater is one of, I think, the city's oldest theaters, as far as I know. I know... <clears throat> Uh, just from what little I know about it, it opened in uh, September of 1928, and I think it actually originally opened as the Capitol Theater. I think that's what it was, yeah, I think that's what it was originally under, and then over time, it eventually became the Paramount. Uh, it's had it's had a number of different um, uh, renovations over the years. I, I think you, you ultimately have to when you have a movie that's, or yeah, when you have a theater that's like, what, like 90? 93 years old is that is that right is my mental math correct uh, maybe maybe not I don't know but it's an old theater uh, and a beautiful one at that I actually think yeah yeah they're the a movie a movie theater why can't I why can't I talk today what is what is wrong with me <clears throat> <coughs> clear the throat <coughs> no edits <coughs> keep going <coughs> that's awful <coughs> this isn't funny <coughs> what are you doing okay <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay i'm sorry oh that just made this oh it made it a lot worse oh i promise i'm gonna like chug so much uh so much water before hitting record on one of these again uh, or otherwise i have to figure out why my throat is so scratchy anyway where was i at before i just went into that bad tangent um so a movie, uh, a, a theater like the Paramount, uh, they're referred to actually as movie palaces, uh, which is uh, kind of an interesting thing. If you, if you have some time, I uh, look up what movie palaces are and you can learn some cool history about movie theaters. But the Paramount Theater is one of only, I believe, 300 of these that are left actually in the entire United States. Uh, so it's pretty cool. There's, I mean, that may sound like a lot, like 300, but that's not that many when you think about how big the United States is. So kind of interesting. Uh, as far as like the size of the theater, it sits about uh, like 1,700 people, I would like to say, give or take a few or less here and there. Uh, but it's a good size theater, good size. I've seen a few different things at the Paramount. Um, including a couple of different, uh, stand-up comedians, actually. I saw, and most recently, I saw Tom Segura there, uh, when he was doing his Take It Down tour. That was a lot of fun. Um, very, very much so. I, I don't get to see stand-up comedians that often. And then, 
Actually, the very first show that I saw there was Jerry Seinfeld, and that was when I was 16, and it was for my birthday present. Uh, birthday present from my from my awesome mom. So that that's I mean that's that's pretty cool, you know, when your mom actually knows how into Seinfeld you are, and she not only gets you a ticket, but she goes with you and supports your you know your uh, your passion for that or, or your interest. Yeah, your interest. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's very very cool. So I'll I'll never forget that. That was an amazing birthday. But <clears throat> I digress. So when I get to the theater, um, they actually, to my surprise, had a, a llama and an alpaca that were outside of the theater, which is pretty crazy. And actually, it was funny. So when I got there, I think I got there uh, because I was part of the meet and greet group. I got there like, I don't know, like an hour, hour or so before the show. And so I was one of... A few, you know, one of the first batch of people to show up. And I just remember there was this black van that pulls up to the front of the theater and everybody kind of looks at it. Just, just thinking that somebody's going to get dropped off. And then all of a sudden, boom, like the llama and alpaca just jump out of the back seat of this minivan. And this didn't seem like a, a van that was like for, you know, livestock or cattle or anything like that. It just seemed like this could have been any ordinary family van. And then all of a sudden these big, these big animals just jumped out of the back of it. And I just remember when, when that happened, the people I was with, we were all just like kind of almost doing like a double take. Like what, what the hell did we just see? Uh, yeah, it was, it was very bizarre, but they were very, very cool. Very sweet animals. They had a, like a big bale of hay to eat, uh, which I think distracted the llama more than the alpaca. The alpaca seemed more of the sociable between the two of them. Um, but anywho, that was very cool. It was a nice touch because llamas, of course, play a part in the movie. So I thought that was a nice a nice added benefit to the event and just kind of getting people hyped up to go in and see it uh, was to just have that interactive experience on your way into the theater. So I thought that was very cool. Um, <clears throat> and then and then I, you know, I got to do the meet and greet part, which that's, you know, that's ultimately the part I was the most excited about of the whole thing. Uh, like I said, I, I'm very, very envious of a lot of people in the movie industry, of the, in the entertainment industry, and I'm utterly fascinated with them. I'm very passionate about the industry. Just, it, it yeah, I'm, I'm, what can I say? I, I'm, I'm more than a fan. I'm, uh, I'm devoted, I guess. Is that the, is that the right word? <laughs> I, I don't know, but but anywho, so the, so you go into the theater and they kind of, you know, they, they scan your tickets. You go, they usher you into, I think it's like a, rehear- a rehearsal space. I think that's where they, they sent us to. Because um, we had to go, yeah, we had to go to the uh, essentially like the back of the theater. And then there's a, a line of people. They check your tickets again to make sure you were legit as if they couldn't tell that the first time. And, and then, of course, you, you get in there and... I was amongst, uh, again, kind of some of the first to get in there. Um, one, one thing that they did, it wasn't really disappointing, but they went around uh, with the posters that the cast had already signed before. So it's not like I got to like see them sign the poster. They just kind of gave around. They're just like, here you go. Here's your poster. Here's your poster, um, which is fine. And, and the poster itself, I mean, I know you can't see it. Like I'm just telling you about it. Um, it's It's okay. Uh, like the paper quality, the the stock of it's okay, but the image quality itself, you can kind of tell that they probably printed it on something that's not super, 
I don't know. Maybe it's not meant to print those types of things. I'm not really sure because like you can just tell it's it's a little it's a little bit more grainy than I think it should be. Um, but but you know whatever it's okay. Um, it's an 11 by 17 and it has it has all three of their signatures on it and it's gonna get actually framed up um, in my office space. So I think I mean it'll look great there. So I can't complain about that. Um, but then, <clears throat> so then, yeah, then they actually came in, uh, John Heater, John Grise and, and Efren Ramirez, they came in and, you know, people were clapping and, you know, cheering and stuff. And I, I even admit that I think, I don't know, just like in my anticipation and looking forward to it, it, it was a bit of a, I don't even want to say like a starstruck moment, but like I said, it's just not every day that I see somebody that I'm. I've seen on a screen so many times and, and I've seen John Heater do other things. I, I, I like, a I like a lot of his, his movies that he did after, uh, Napoleon dynamite. I know uh, school for scoundrels, the one he did with Billy Bob Thornton. I, I actually recently re I rewatched that. Not that, not that long ago. And, and that's a, that's a very funny movie. If you haven't seen uh, school for scoundrels, definitely check that out. <clears throat> of course, bench warmers, He's very funny in that. Uh, Blades of Glory with Will Ferrell. It's another good one. But but anywho, so yeah, they, they came out and, and people were, were happy to see him and whatnot. And then you just kind of waited your turn in line. Um, they had people that work for the theater. They would take your phone so that you could get up to them, talk to them. Uh, I did see that they were shaking hands with a few people. I, I wasn't really sure like what the, you know, if there were any COVID protocols or anything like that. Um but anyways, when it when it got to be my turn, I gave the whoever the theater staff was my phone and, and went up to him. And I just remember, well, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I remember that when I was in line, I just kind of kept racking in my head. I'm like, what do I want to ask them? Because I knew I was only going to get so much time with them and I could... You know, I, I have a podcast. I, I can talk a lot. And there's a lot of questions I could ask because I love conversation and I love learning things about other people, especially people that, you know, appeal to me or I have an interest in their, you know, their experiences and who they are as a person and, and what they've done in the past. And so there, there's so many different things that I think I wanted to ask. But ultimately, what I ended up saying when I got up there was just, hey, you know, I, I introduced myself and, you know, just said, I'm like, you know, you know, fan of you guys. Like, this is so great. Uh, I definitely know I thank them for actually coming to, to Cedar Rapids to do this type of an event because in, in Cedar Rapids and in Iowa, I mean, let alone Iowa as a state, there's just not that many movie specific events that come here like this. I mean, I, I've lived in the city for a long time and I, you know, like I said, the Paramount's had some other attractions before, but it's very rarely ever getting anything movie related, but that also actually has the talent from the movie present and, and not only present, but actually engaged with the, the audience and, and, and enjoying themselves there. It's just not something that you see that often. And so anyways, I, when I met, uh, when I met them, I talked to John first and, you know, I just said, I'm like, Hey, I'm like, thank you so much for, uh, you know, coming to our city and, and doing this. It's really great. And then I, I ended up actually telling him what I said, sort uh, sort of towards the beginning of the podcast. I said, I was like, look, uh, I'm like in a weird way, this is kind of like me coming full circle with you guys meeting you because 
I used to get I used to get kind of teased that I was like your character Napoleon and I outgrew it and you know whatever whatever and now I'm a big fan of the movie and so getting to meet him was just uh, in a weird way kind of a cathartic experience. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but I, I think it is. And anyways, he he was super nice. He was just super, super nice. Uh, he told me that, you know, he's just like, hey, he's like, everybody has a time like that. He's like, you know, it's no big deal. Um, but then he actually told me, too, that, that part of the reason that he liked um, Napoleon as a character and kind of the impact that he's had over time is that he's he's talked to a lot of different people that in a weird way, the character is kind of a hero because even though he's he's awkward and not really sure of himself or, well, maybe he's, maybe he's sure of himself, but um, anywho, I'm not, I'm not really making sense there, but he just basically told me that, you know, a lot of people have periods of their lives like that and he just thought that the characters made a positive impact on people that could relate to having an experience like that. And and just the way he said it, I can't say it the way he said it, but he was very insightful. I actually thought about for, um, for how he was describing it. And then uh, Efren Ramirez, he was pretty cool too. I, I didn't really get a chance to say much to him other than that. I told him that I loved him in the, in the crank movies. And I think, I guess he, I think he appreciated that. Um, and then John Grise, uh, he was, he was really cool. I think of the three people I met, cause, cause John here was really nice. He was super polite. Um, you know, very approachable and just a nice, nice guy. Same with Efren Ramirez, but John, John Grise was, he was really, I don't know. It just struck me as being pretty authentic. I, I don't know. Like I, I, he just seemed like a very honest guy. Like there was no celebrity about any part of him. Like he just seemed pretty down to earth. Like if I bumped into him on the street, I sure he'd probably be pretty nice then too. Um, but he was cool. Um, he asked me a couple questions just about me and like, you know, kind of like if I was from here and, and that kind of thing and you know, nice guy. Um, and so anyways, I got to take the, I got to take the picture with them and I, I was a little annoyed because when the picture got taken, it's being taken on my cell phone and the guy only ended up snapping the photo uh, just once, just once. He took one freaking photo on my digital phone and you could have done it several times, but no, he's like, ah, um, I guess, you know, his thumbs must have been tired or, or perhaps he just was wanting to... I mean, more than likely, he was probably just wanting to move the line along. Um, yeah, I think that's probably what he was doing. There was a lot of people, and that's that was the only thing I, I was kind of like a little bummed about is that because it's three people, it's like I said, you just want to say so much, and you only have so much time, you know, before they have to kind of you know push you along. So, but it was cool. I mean, like they the the three guys were super super nice. I thought the picture turned out well, and. They were being just great with everybody in the line, honestly. Um, I saw, like, they would take, like, selfies with certain people. Uh, there was one in particular I noted where Efren Ramirez, uh, he was talking to a lady, and I could overhear her saying that her sister, like, really wanted to be there, but she was busy or she was, like, sick or something like that. And they ended up video calling the sister really quick, and he recorded a message for the sister in his character as Pedro, and, and that was just really sweet. It was very sweet. And uh, there was also a couple of kids there too. And they were like signing autographs for them and like writing out specific messages on their poster. Um, which again, that's just, 
it was very, very cool. And I really felt like they were having fun with everybody and just really happy to be there. I didn't get the sense that they were just there for a paid gig. I mean, it seemed like they actually were genuinely happy to be there. So it was really, really great. And then, you know, so then after the meet and greet happened, we ended up doing the the screening itself. And that was that was actually unexpected for me for, for what happened for that. Because, for, well, for one, the way the Paramount Theater is set up, it's not like a traditional movie theater because it is a, a theater in the true sense of the word where they actually have like stage acts and plays and things like that. So it's not like it has a huge 120-inch silver screen on there. It's not like that. So I don't know how big the screen was, but it would probably be... It would probably be considered small to some people, but it was certainly big enough for where I was seat, uh, seated at in the theater. <clears throat> but anyway, the part that I think I was surprised about was was how interactive the audience was. They would they would like you know yell at the movie sometimes or laugh. Uh, no one really talked, but it was like everybody had permission to audibly react out loud, very loudly and openly. And because of an event like the way, like because of the nature of the event, that's what I'm trying to say. Because of the nature of the event, it felt like one of those like old school, like Rocky Horror Picture shows that they would do at a midnight showing where most everybody has seen the movie countless times. And so you're just there to experience it with a group of people. Um, so... I always think that's great when you can experience that, especially in a comedy, because you laugh at things that maybe you thought were funny by yourself, but because you're around everybody else, you you end up you find yourself laughing at things that maybe you didn't laugh at so much the first time, but because you're feeling the energy of the audience and the crowd, uh, everything just like felt funnier to me, and and maybe I was just riding the energy again of the crowd, but. I was having a good time. I was laughing uh, at so many different moments. I, I laughed, of course, of uh, at Red Squad. No, <laughs> you, 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 you think people think I'm a failure because I go home to Star at night? <laughs> uh, Diedrich Bader as as Rex Quando is phenomenal. He's only in the movie for that one scene, and then towards the end when he when he kicks Uncle Rico's ass. Uh, but oh my God, the character of Rex Quando, what? What a true American hero. <laughs> um, but there, there, there's so many great, there's so many great, just like little quotable moments. Uh, you know, it's just like, hey, Napoleon, give me your tots. No, go find your own. Ugh. Idiot. <laughs> just, John, John Heater's delivery as Napoleon is, is priceless. Uh, it's just so good. So, so good. And so, Anyways, aside from all the quotable moments, I don't want to get into all of them because I'm sure most people that are listening to this have likely seen uh, the movie, but uh, th- there's a lot of great quotes. A lot of great quotes, and, and it's clear the humor still holds up, uh, which is crazy because the, the movie's 17 years old, I think. Six, 16 or 17 years, if, if you can believe that, which is pretty pretty wild. Um, but anywho, so, so the screening wraps up, and then the cast... And a moderator, he I think he was from uh I think the moderator was some was from some like local radio station. Wasn't any radio station I've heard of, so I'm not really sure where he came from, but he seemed he's he was a good moderator. Uh but anyways, the cast came out, they had like these couches set up on the stage for him and, and they all came out and 
he asked them, the moderator asked them some, you know, fairly general questions of like, you know, how did this movie come about and why do you think it's lasted how long it has and, and those kinds of questions. But I will say when they were talking about that, I learned more about the movie definitely than what I had initially known about it. So I'll just rattle off a couple of things that they said on stage that I didn't really know, but I think is interesting. So one, the movie is an independent film and it had a budget of, I think they said it was like around like $400,000, which is like next to nothing, especially, I mean, even for an independent movie, that is like low, low, low budget. And it had a budget of like $400,000. And I think when it came out, like it exploded in popularity and I think it ended up grossing like, I don't know, like 46, 47 million. And, and that was just then. So I don't even know if that's taken into account, um, you know, any royalties that come with it or any, um, you know, physical media sales over the years or, or anything like that. Um, even these appearances, you know, I'm sure they make money off of those, but it's a very, very popular movie off of a, a very low budget. And, it was interesting hearing them talk about just the budgetary side of it and kind of talking about how, you know, a lot of, a lot of movies like that, that are small and then become big that, you know, I feel like people always ask, they're just like, Hey, you know, did you ever like think that this was going to take off? And I've never heard like an actor, well, maybe, maybe once or twice, but I feel like most of the time, most of those people involved with that, they're just doing it because, they're you know they care about the story or they have close friends that are involved with it or they're just they're just there because they love doing it i i don't think they predicted it the cast definitely did not give me the vibe that they were predicting the success of the movie um but again sorry to to ramble a little bit but in in, in talking about the independent film side of it uh they talked about how like they had to like get the movie to like, like they were trying to shop it around the studios and that really it was when the movie screened, they were able to get it to screen at sun at the Sundance film festival that it ended up getting picked up. I think by, I think it was Fox searchlight pictures. I, I, I want to say that's who picked it up. Maybe, maybe I'm mistaken on that. I'm not sure, but it got picked up. And then, you know, like I said, it, it ended up making a lot of money and becoming a very, very popular movie, not just uh, financially speaking, but I think in the pop, the pop culture, the zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it, uh, the movie has been one of those ones that has stood the test of time, and you know people still like it to this day. So I mean that's why they're able to do an event like this, which is great. Um, I'm trying to think some of the other general questions that the cast talked about. Um, oh, they, well, they talked about the the tater tots. I, I remember I remember that. Because they did say that everything in the movie is very truthful. That's what John Heater kept saying. He said that there is very, like, there's, like, next to no, like, fakery or or illusions in the movie. Like, what you see is what you get for many of the scenes. But he did say that in the scene where Napoleon is sneaking his uh, old uh, tater tots from lunch out of his pockets, that they actually edited the the tater tot noise to sound all crunchy and crispy because he said in reality i think it was like a big like bunch of mush like in his pocket like it didn't have that crunch crisp noise when he was trying to eat them um so i thought that was a a, a neat little tidbit to hear about and then i'm thinking what else what else did they talk about in that because they talked about the tater tots oh they talked about the dance of course the iconic dance at the end 
uh, where, you know, Napoleon has to do a skit on behalf of Pedro uh, to hopefully help get him elected. And he does that amazing dance number to that Can Heat song. I can't think of what the actual song title is, but if you've seen the movie, I think you know what I'm talking to, uh, what I'm talking about. Um, but I was surprised. It was not choreographed at all. He said that he just kind of got told to get on, you know, the stage and just kind of do his thing. And they, they played that song and had him dance. And I think they said that they did it in like three or four takes. Uh, but then I actually, yeah, no, the most interesting part when he was talking about the dance was he said that they had done like, like two or three other songs. Like they tried it with a couple other songs just to see how the rhythm would be and whatnot but that they kept going back to the can heat song. And I think the way it was cut, he said that there was like a, a couple little snippets here and there where you wouldn't know it, but he was actually dancing to the other songs, but they used part of the dance in the, in the edit that they put together for the, the final dance sequence, which is really cool. Like I, I think the next time I watched it, I'll probably try to like, see if I can pick out like, where do I think they, that was like an insert shot or where it was just, you know, clever editing or, or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> but anyway, so yeah, he talked about the dance. Uh, he actually did the dance a little bit on stage. I, I'm pretty sure, like, they had it planned, but they put a bit of the song back on when he was being asked about it, and he got up and started, like, doing the little pacing thing with his hands in his pockets and did that that great thing where when the beat really kicks on, he kind of flings his back back and arches it. Um, it was really fun to see him do that. It was just really, really fun. Um, and then they actually opened up the, the Q and a to the actual general audience. The, the moderator, he asked if people you know wanted to ask questions or we got, they, he, yeah, he said, all right, we got a microphone over here. got a microphone over there. So you can go ahead and line up. Just pretend like the cast is in your living room and ask them, you know, ask away. But, you know, go figure. It's a, I don't want to say a packed theater, but there was definitely a, a good amount of people there. So I think people were a bit shy uh, in wanting to get up and do that right away. And so eventually people started lining up. And then eventually, I admit, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it or not. But I was like, I mean, come on, how often am I going to be able to have this opportunity? So I went ahead and got in line. Uh, and waited my turn to ask a question. But in the meantime, when I was listening to the other questions being asked, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed that part, I think. You know, I almost... Yeah, I was going to say, apart from like meeting the cast, I really liked the Q&A part because it was great hearing other people talk about their experience with the movie and sort of like open up about what it means to them and like their family and their friends. And even some of the questions they asked I thought were pretty good. I know one question that got asked was they, they talked about uh, if there would be a possibility for a sequel. And <clears throat> John Grice, uh, he he took the lead on that answer, but he did say that, you know, there's been rumors of it. They've, they've rumbled it around and, and talked some ideas about it, but there's never been anything concrete on it. But all three of them did agree that if, for whatever reason, a sequel were to ever come about and it made sense that all three of them and likely the rest of the cast they indicated would sign on in a heartbeat to, to do it again. Um, I don't know if I would want them to make a sequel to this just because one, it's just, it's been so long and that's, I mean, 
I'm trying to really think of a comedy sequel that's from that long ago. From, from that's based on a movie from like 16, 17 years ago that actually can I don't even want to say surpass the original because I don't think that happens with comedy sequels like that, but just live up to the first one. And it's so it's so exceptionally rare. I, I don't really know if I'd want to see that with with this movie, but. It, it was it was fun hearing them talk about it. and honestly if they did it I would probably go and see it just to support it because I, I do like the movie I'm a fan and I don't know I guess after having this experience it's like I've met these guys they're they're really great I just want to you know I want to I want to support actors I want to support entertainment so I would probably go I'd probably go see it but I wouldn't have the highest hopes um another question that got asked that was unexpected i guess to say the least was there was a lady there that said that she had for a long time possibly even currently i, I wasn't 100 percent sure but she had talked about how she had lived in a psych ward an adult a youth psych ward and then an adult psych ward for like 10 years or something a really long time and that she said that their movie Napoleon Dynamite was one that got her through like some like really hard times and would always bring a smile to her face when she was in like her darkest moments. And she asked the cast like what their perspective is on art and entertainment and its effect that it can have positively on mental health. Um, <clears throat> I know before the cast answered the question, like everybody in the audience, of course, gave a pretty big cheer for it, including the cast. I, I thought they handled it very well because the girl was uh, emotional. Uh, definitely think that she was crying a little bit because big deal, you know, for her to ask that question, especially in front of all those people. I think that takes courage uh, in and of itself to be able to do that. Not everybody would. Um but anywho, their answer to that was pretty cool. They talked about like, you know, how music is important to them and that they are, you know, all actors for a reason. They are very, uh, very invested in, in film and entertainment and that, you know, them escaping into those worlds is, is really, I don't think they use the words therapeutic, but it's, it's healthy for them. Like it's good for them and makes them happy. And I don't know, that, that type of authenticity I felt that was coming off from them, from their answers, you know, whether it was the emotional question or other ones, it, it was very good. It was very nice. And so, so anyways, when it got to my turn, um, I, I, I kind of was like struggling for what I wanted to ask, because again, it's sort of like the meet and greet part where I'm like, I, you know, I can only have so much time. I can't ask them five questions. There's other people that want to use the microphone. So I better make my question count. Cause I think originally I was going to ask, uh, if when uncle Rico threw the stake, the character, uncle Rico, John Grise, when he threw the stake, if he hit Napoleon in the face the first time, or if it took a couple takes for him to really nail him, <laughs> I, I thought that probably would have been a fun question that, you know, would have been light, kept the audience laughing, that kind of thing. But because I wanted to make the most of my time and their time and try to ask them int an interesting question that they might not get asked every day, this is what I asked them. <clears throat> so I directed it to the three of them and I asked in so many words, what advice would you give to someone being myself that has always had a a strong passion and desire to further themselves creatively, artistically, 
and and even possibly one day into the entertainment industry. Now, what that form would be, I didn't really specify for the sake of the question, even though myself, I may have some ideas about what I think that could be in the long run. Um, because truth be told, this podcast is is one of those ways for me to try to develop that part of myself more and, and take it seriously. And so I, I'm trying to think, how, how, how the hell did I word the question to them? I just basically said that, like, look, given, you know, like, I'm in Cedar Rapids, I'm in the Midwest, and, you know, this is not exactly, I would say, the creative capital of the world. <laughs> I mean, no offense, Iowa, I love you, but, you you know, this place that I'm from is not really the most uh, conductive environment for for creative types, I would say, at least that, that's been my experience uh, anyway. And so I just asked, like, because of Napoleon Dynamite being an independent film and their experience of, you know, becoming celebrities and just kind of everything like that, it's just like, how do you start? I think that's a, that's what I essentially was asking them without asking them is like, what do you do to actually try to further that part of yourself and, and do it right? Like, what, what can you do? Because I, I think for myself right now, I have a lot of aspirations for it and I am a hardworking person and I do think I have a voice and I have something to say and I have a couple different ways that I want to try to do that for real, like for real, for real. And it can seem like daunting. It could just it, not only daunting, it can seem like impossible because you're, you're surrounded by people uh, and you're raised in an environment where it's like, well, like, you know, no one does that. Only people in Hollywood do that. You, you can't do that. So I wanted to know their input about what kind of advice they would give for someone that is, would be in a situation kind of similar to mine, what they would do. And they all three gave pretty good responses, I think to it. But the, the person that, that mainly took the lead on that question was, was John Grise, uh, the character, the guy that, sorry, the guy that plays uncle Rico and, I'll paraphrase a little bit, but what he told me, and he was being really serious too. Again, I, I mentioned when I met him, you know, in the backstage part, I could just tell that he was a, I don't want to say intense guy, but he just, I don't know. It was kind of weird. It was, it was like, he was like looking right, right through me or right at me or something like that. I mean, of course he was looking at me because I was asking the question, but I, I'm not explaining this correctly, but I, like the way he spoke he was definitely being very specific to me and my situation. And um, I felt genuine in, in what he said. And so anyways, I'm dancing around it. What he told me was that I just really need to, above all else, be true to myself. Like, be me for for better or worse. I need to not be afraid to be me. And that if I really do have that voice inside me and I need to express it and I I'm compelled to do it, then I'll do it essentially. I mean, that's, that's kind of what he said is like, if I really have that, then write about it, write what you know, um, try, try things. Don't be afraid. You know, it, it's not always going to work. Like you're going to fail often, but you will find uh, a respect in actually being,
being true to who you are and that over time I don't know. I mean, he just, it was really cool the way that he said it. He's just like, if you really want this, man, he's just like, don't let anybody tell you that you're not like going to do it. Like, don't let anyone make you feel, um, that, that you don't have the talent, like you don't have the skill. Like it was, it was really kind of a, I don't know, almost like a pep talk in a way. I mean, I really, the words that he spoke to me really hit me and I really, I think I took him to heart. Honestly, I mean, probably because, you know, it came from a, an actor that I know in, in movies and I've seen him in other movies, too. But, yeah, just what he said really affected me. I mean, it, it really, I felt it cut through and I just hope that after what he talked about with being true to myself that I can find a way and continue to find the right, the right way to be able to do that. Because I kind of feel like I'm, I'm just at a time in my life where I'm tired of, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of not being the real me, if, if that makes sense. And, and this can mean a lot of different things for anybody that's listening for like, what, like, what is he talking about being the real him? I mean, I'm authentic here. At least I think I am, but it's like there's there's other aspects of my life that I feel like after especially after thinking about just what he said to me and how he said it where it's like if I'm really being introspective and like really looking at things in retrospect there are many instances I think in my life where I have been somebody else's you know version of of what they think I should be or you know, made excuses for, I'm like, well, I can't do this because there's not like, uh, you know, financial stability or, you know, there's not like a straight path to be able to do it. It's not like you can start as an intern and just like, you know, work your way to the top, like a traditional company. So therefore you can't do that. That's impossible. Your dreams are impossible. Um, I don't know. All I know is that what he told me, I'm going to end up thinking about a lot more um, probably outside of this podcast. Cause I'm, I'm not very, I'm not being very art, art, articulate. Yeah. I'm not articulating it very well tonight folks, but it was very cool what he said. And I will remember it for some time. And I just hope that I can actually do some of the things that he said and, and really, and really do it, not just say it, but really, really do it. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I think, I do think that going forward, I'm going to just do my best to, to really be my true self and, and hopefully that benefits you guys, honestly, I you know, benefits you all. Um, that's really ultimately what I hope is that, you know, the, the, the creativity that I have inside of me, that I'm putting it out in the right, in the right channel, the right medium, and that I'm able to further, further, uh, just further my expression, I guess, further, for, further myself as a, as a creative. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's pretty much it, but I, uh, let me, let me see if I have any last thoughts on this. Um, it was just great. The experience was absolutely phenomenal. I would do it again, 10, 10 out of 10 times, whatever. Um, if they ever came back and did it again, I would do it. And I would say if they ever come to your city, um, you know, John Heater, Efren Ramirez, John Grice, 
definitely, definitely check it out because you're supporting film, you're supporting your local community. And I mean, it's just a unique time. It's a unique time. And I mean, if you're a film lover or if you're just someone that has a passion for the arts and entertainment, going to something like this shouldn't even be a, a question. It should be an absolute. You should definitely go. Uh, and, and also see Napoleon Dynamite if you haven't seen it. It's it is a funny movie, and yeah, I mean it's hard to believe that it's 17 years old, but it's it's a it's a great time, great time. And I had an absolute blast meeting the cast. And I actually, uh, okay, that's the last thing I'll say. I did tell them that I have a podcast that I host. Um, I didn't like try to like plug it and be like, hey, can you guys subscribe to it? Because I really highly doubt that they would do that, especially since I only launched this. Uh, this podcast on August 13th, so it hasn't even been that long. So maybe though, hey, let's let's give it some time. Who knows? Over time, this thing could take off, and and I could be doing doing great. And and who knows? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I feel like they, I actually got one of them to come on here, or just anybody that's been in TV and film. It seems like one of those pipe dreams things, but th- but that's that's the thing. There we go. That's the last thing I'll say. It's like I have like this tendency. It's like, oh, like when, like if I talk about something, like wouldn't that be great if like John Heater would come on my podcast? And then just as quickly in the same sentence, I like tell myself, oh, well, that's impossible. Like, no way. Well, what the hell kind of thinking is that? Honestly, I mean, what is, what is that? That's me telling myself, no, I don't want to do that. And that's, and that's, what I kept thinking about when, when John Grice, I, I hope I'm saying his last name, right. But the guy who played uncle Rico, when he was saying, I don't know the way he was saying that to me, it kept making me think about that thought in the back of my head of like, how many times in my life do I subconsciously talk myself out of it because of anxiety or fear or self doubt or depression or whatever the hell it is. It's like no more. I, I don't want to do that anymore. And I think I've said that a couple times on this, but whatever. I, I have to say it out loud because it's, it needs to be said. It needs to be said and I need to be able to, to process it or something. Hey, hey, this microphone can serve as therapy too, people. It doesn't have to just be your entertainment. Uh, but anywho, I'll try to, I'll try to mull that over. I'm going to try to figure that out, but it was a great experience. And I do hope that you found uh, me rambling about this for the last hour interesting so there you go all right that's gonna go ahead and wrap it up for uh today's episode of screen speak but again i really appreciate each and every one of you for coming by and to uh oh my god i've said i've said i'm gonna wrap this damn thing up like (laughs) like five times now but here's the final wrap up because we are already uh hitting october of 2021 i can't i cannot believe that Uh, I have decided that during the month of October, I am going to be having some podcasts specifically dedicated to horror movies. So might be a bit cliche because it's October. It's the spooky month. Ooh. Uh, but there's some, there's some good horror movies and I'm not a big, big horror movie fan, but there's a few that I have planned to share my thoughts on with you guys and, and maybe have some, uh, some guests on with me to talk about, uh, those scary movies with. So definitely, definitely, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that here in the future. But again, 
thank you all so much for listening. I really do sincerely appreciate it. And I will see you all in the next episode of Screen Speak. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording because this is super embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Uh, here, why don't I, I'll just, I'll stop the recording uh, like I'm Napoleon. Hey, uh, you idiot. Uh, why are you still listening? Uh, uh. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm, I'm actually done now. See you, everybody.